Welcome to the Teach the Geek podcast, where engineer and author Neil Thompson talks with STEM professionals about public speaking, a struggle for many of us. Whether you're a novice public speaker or a proficient one, you can always pick up tips on how to improve. Here's your host, Neil Thompson. Welcome to another edition of Teach the Geek interviews. My name is Neil Thompson. I am the founder of Teach the Geek. It's an online platform for science and engineering professionals. The first offering of the platform is a public speaking course called Teach the Geek to Speak. To learn more about it, you can go to teachthegeek.com. Again, that is teachthegeek.com. Today, my guest is Dr. Natasha Anderson, and she's a STEM educator, consultant, trainer, podcast host, and professional speaker. She's quite a number of things. <laughs> she, founded, <laughs> she founded Smart STEM LLC, a STEM education consulting business that specializes in curriculum and program development for K-12, post-secondary, for-profit, and nonprofit businesses. And she also has a podcast, as I mentioned, it's called Stemming in Stilettos, and she highlights women in STEM. She was even a dean at one point. I'm really interested to find out more about that. So I'm going to ask her questions about Smart STEM, her podcast, and of course, public speaking. Welcome to Teach the Geek Interviews, Dr. Anderson. Uh, thank you so much. I'm really excited about being here today. Wonderful. So from the bit of research I did on you, I saw that you got your undergraduate degree in mechanical engineering. What was the motivation for that, for, for getting that degree? Um, you know, I am one of those people to use as a cautionary tale, but things, things uh, turned out well. Um, I knew nothing about mechanical engineering nothing at all. Um, and I chose it because I was in a program called Inroads, um, and it's for minority um, students, gives them, a, uh, gives them the opportunity to sort of shadow, uh, or at least back in, back in the day when I did it, um, shadow engineering, STEM, STEM and business careers. Um, and so I was like, well, I can't do, I knew it was going to be something in STEM, knew it was going to be some type of engineering, hadn't figured it out because I hadn't had a lot of experience with engineering. I was like, I know it wasn't going to be chemical because I was like, you don't want me anywhere near any chemicals. That's not going to be a good look. Electrical was like the same thing. I was like, yeah, I would be that one that would just blow up something. I don't know. So, so mechanical just sort of fit. I'm saying to you, that's probably not the best way to choose your career path. It's like, it kind of fits. Um, my dad was a mechanic, so I was like, well, I think I can do this, because this I can, I can figure out. And so that's how I chose my major. It, <laughs> and it, I was lucky enough that, so when I started taking the classes, I was like, oh yeah, I get this stuff. So it was, it was, it was dumb luck, I guess, um, but it worked out in my favor. You know, I have a, a story about how I ended up in engineering too. It, it has nothing to do with uh, a dislike of, I guess, of, of not wanting to be around chemicals or being scared about blowing things up in electrical. I actually ended up in in engineering because my father said I should do it. I, the longest while, I used to lie about it because I was embarrassed by that reasoning. Because a lot of people, when you ask them that question, they'll, they have a really good reason as to why they ended up in engineering. They had this interest for a long time. Maybe they were on a robotics club when they were in high school. It's, it's, it's something good. But for me, it was just, my father said to do it, and I did it. And just like you got, it, it worked out. <laughs> yeah, it was, 
I just, so that's actually, you're, I think you're really lucky um, because my parents did, well, both of, neither one of my parents went to, went to um, four-year school. They both went to technical college, which was fine, great, um, but they had no idea what it would take for me to, to do that. Um, and so when I would tell them I was going, you know, I went to college to be an engineer, in their mind, it was like, they knew, they thought it was something fancy, right? So, so in their mind, it was like, okay, she's great. She's going to go and do that thing. But for me, I didn't have the support. So for you to have your father say, this is what you should do. And he understood it and knew, I think that's a blessing. Yeah, both, actually, yeah, both of my parents went to four-year school, so I couldn't BS them, unfortunately, <laughs> be like, I don't know no, about that. Like, hey, if I did it, you did it. <laughs> that's right. You was going, that's right. Yeah. No, no question. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was A or B, you go or you go. That, that, that's basically what it was. <laughs> so I did a bit of, I also saw that in addition to your undergrad in mechanical engineering, you also got an MBA and you got your, your doctorate in education. What was the yeah. motivation for those two degrees? So when I was, a, um, so when I was a practicing engineer, um, I was in, I was in a, um, I was in the sort of the construction design build um, portion of my career. I was doing a lot of buildings. I was, I was the mechanical engineer of record for a lot of projects in um, Atlanta metropolitan area where um, we were basically in charge of the HVAC, piping, plumbing, fire protection, all of those things, because that's what a mechanical engineer does in that space, right? And so um, when we would have slow periods, I would go and help the um, help the marketing and sales people. So of course, you know, bringing, bringing in more jobs. And so I, I learned and began to understand that there was a whole part of the engineering field that I knew nothing about. Like, I didn't know how we were bringing in jobs. I just knew we were, right? And so I didn't, I, and I didn't understand the business side of engineering. I understood the practicality of you know, loads and understanding building structure and, and calculating, um, doing the calculations for airflow, all those things, right? But like the business side of engineering, I didn't understand it, didn't know it, and hadn't really thought about it until I had that opportunity where it was like, okay, well, we have to sell our services, but we also have to, you also have to understand the business. And I was like, oh, I don't know any of this stuff. And so what has been my MO uh, throughout my life is when I don't know something, I don't necessarily just accept that I don't know, I go find out. Um, whether that's a Google search or having conversations or interview with someone. But because I was, I was thinking more long term, I was like, well, I want to master this. So um, I, went, I went to get my MBA. And so that was that. And then the same thing when I, um, when I left engineering and I went into education, um, I immediately had, within the first two years of me teaching, I just was like, I think we're doing this wrong, right? And, and I didn't meet it in like a, a derogatory way to those people who had long careers in education. But I was like, I don't get what we're doing. It was always like, are we here to educate kids so that they could go on to the next level? Next level being community college, junior college, four-year college, you know, so that they didn't get... If that was our goal, I was like, I don't think that's what we're doing. I just, I didn't get it. And again, 
if uh, because I didn't know and didn't understand what I didn't understand, I was like, um, maybe I need to go and educate myself. And I was like, I already have a master's degree. I'm not doing that. So I said, I will go and get a, um, get a doctorate in education. So that's, that's how that happened. <laughs> okay. So your transition from engineering to education, was that something that you had always planned on doing or is that something that just kind of happened? Because I've, I've done a number of these interviews now and there's a lot of, of a lot of women who have left who were in engineering and then they left and i've done a, and just out of curiosity i've done a lot of just reading and, and and just watching videos and listening to podcasts about women leaving engineering because there's a lot of people that say it's a problem because they say women leave engineering more often than men and they're trying to figure out why and they're saying that it's not it doesn't have to do with with it, with child you know giving birth to children and just leaving the, the profession for that reason it, it's 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 bigger than that and i guess one of the reasons i hear is is the environment in engineering is is not i guess women don't like the environment of engineering so they kind of leave disgruntled to go do other things but then i also hear that even women that have appeared on on this podcast on this youtube channel and podcast have said actually it was i just found something else that i preferred to do and it had nothing really to do with engineering per se but out of curiosity what was the reason you left engineering so I'm, I'm kind of both. Um, so I always knew at some point I was going to be a teacher. I just always knew it. It's in my blood to do. My, my family are, are filled um, with teachers. There's, it's, that's just the family business, if you will. So I knew at some point that was going to happen. Had no idea when. Um, but I left because um, I'm a firm believer. And what I've learned over time is the, that environment is not built for us. It has never been built for us. And by us, I could, you know, women in general, but minority women in particular, it's not built for us. And they, they haven't really had to address or change how they do business. It is literally the old boys network, the way they talk, the way they discuss business, the way things get, um, get done, how they address issues in the workplace, how, how the business of engineering gets done at the job. It's all, it's all, and it's all designed for a male to succeed. And I say that with not, with, with not, uh, with any hate or animosity, it's just someone who's been in the environment. So it's, you are expected to adapt um, and change to them as opposed to them adapting and changing to the changing structure and environment that they are, th are, they are in. So it didn't matter that it, a woman was present, the joke still happened. You were, you were expected to either laugh along, even though you might've been offended or, you know, suck it up because this is where you were. And so for me, it, it became a matter of, is this how I want to live the rest of my life? Am I going to continue to be silent about what I'm experiencing every day? Or am I going to attempt to be a part of the solution to how we change this and make it better? So for me, it was never a matter of, uh, I'm bad at this, this, you know, I'm, I, I wanna go do something else, even though I knew that was gonna happen at some point in my life. 
It was more like, how do I change this? And I knew and understood at the point where I left that I wasn't in a position to change it from that point. So again, using the education that I had and that the education that I was getting, I just, I had decided that I'm gonna prepare these girls, these young women to be able to handle the environment as it currently stood while I was working on the other end to help change the environment. So that means me speaking on stages, talking about the issues, me talking and speaking out about what I experienced. So sometimes I think people just have to hear it from a different perspective before they say, oh, is that what it was? Let me try to do better. Um, so that's been my perspective and that's how, that's how I've embraced and met the challenge that I've, I've been in and, ha and have been doing for the past couple of years. Okay. I get the sense that you know these environment it'll take some time for to for them to change since they've been this way for for quite some time you know change doesn't doesn't come overnight but I'm certain that there are certain things that can be done more quickly than others what's one thing that you can think of that these industry or this industry can do right away that could be seen as I guess more welcoming to women to be able to you know keep them you know that's a really good question hmm I think a first good step is to really think about the environment that you would want your wife, daughter, best friend who, who is a female to be in every day. Because I think that that would change the way you approach situations when you're in the workplace. Like you don't want your daughter walking in and people are, you know, I mean, it was, we had men fighting. I had, a, had one job where the two of the principal, the architect and the junior architect got into a, a physical fist fight in the office. We had people, <laughs> I'm serious. Like it wasn't like no joke. And then I had one where he was so verbally abusive to his, um, the junior um, engineer working with him that I was like, I, I know I couldn't do that. I know I couldn't have worked with him. Um, I was lucky enough and fortunate enough to work with um, some people who were, you know, they were tough, sure, but, but they didn't treat me like that. Um, but you could tell that the environment wasn't like, you know, I was pregnant. I'll tell you one experience. I was uh, pregnant because I'm, doesn't matter, but I was pregnant. I was like four, maybe five months pregnant and I was having really bad um, morning sickness. And just so you guys know, morning sickness does not mean it happens in the morning. It just, you, you're sick all day. <laughs> just, just saying. So he, my boss sent me out to, um, to do some field work, which, you know, that's, that's normal. Um, he sent me out with another, with another engineer. Right. And it was, and I was, and I'll say this, I was visibly pr pregnant. So it wasn't like, you know, I was, you couldn't tell, you could tell. He had, this guy is like so no consideration at all. It was like he had me holding all this stuff and it's like 97 degrees outside. And I was sitting there going, what am I, <laughs> you know, it's like, what am I doing? Like I am, I am physically pregnant and unable to do this. Um, I can do other things that would have afforded us the opportunity to finish the job, but it was like no consideration at all because he didn't have to, right? Because in his mind, it was like, well, she, you know, if she's out here, she's just gonna, you know, she's just gonna, she's gonna suck this up. 
And it was like, so, so things like that it was like, okay, listen, I can take a lot, um, but I physically cannot do this. I just, I can't do it. And there was no consideration at all. Um, and so that to me left a really, it, it obviously left a lasting impression on me because it was, you know, I was just like, I don't understand how this is not, you wouldn't do this to your girlfriend, to your wife, to your sister. You wouldn't, he wouldn't have done it. I just, I have to believe that he would not have done that. <laughs> you know, just to play devil's advocate, he could have been thinking, you know, I know she's pregnant and all, but in, in the spirit of, of, of fairness, if it was a man out here, I'd be asking him to do these things. So because just because she's a woman and even if she's pregnant, I should be asking her to do these things too. Uh-huh. A man can't get pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> I, hear, I hear what you're saying. I, hear the words you're, I understand the words you're saying. I do. But a man can't be pregnant. And there are just some instances where you have to, there are, there are going to be exceptions that have to be made because you have women in your space. I'm, and in, that's the thing. And most of the time, most of the time, 90% of the time, I would say, 80, 90% of the time, we don't need exceptions. We come, we do the work. We get, we're just as skilled and as talented and, and have all of the, the, the techniques that a man does. But there are certain times where it's like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a real girl. I am a woman. And you need to, you need to be aware of that. You're not going to be able to talk about your girlfriend, you know, in, in terms like that. You're not going to be, you're just not going to be able to do that. You need, this is, this is a co-ed and diverse environment. Um, and as such, there are, there's decorum and there's what, there's things that have to happen so that everybody is comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Look, when you made this, you know, this, this transition, obviously it's going to be a bit different than when you worked in engineering and out of curiosity, how have you, what's the best way to put it? What steps have you taken to kind of build the, the career that you want to have and what challenges have you faced in making that happen? So, um, <laughs> I love this question. So it's been a journey of mainly self-discovery I didn't know how to be an entrepreneur. I didn't know how to, it's, you know, really speak in public. I'm an, I'm an introvert by nature. So the fact, so the idea of speaking in public in front of other people is like, well, why would I do that? Right. But I, but I really knew and understood um, that it couldn't be somebody else. It had to be, it had to be me. And once I came to accept that it had to be me, um, then I started working on the things that I were I was uncomfortable with, um, the things I didn't know, um, and putting my best foot forward. So basically putting myself in situations where I had the opportunity to speak in public, um, where I was doing research and finding out the information that I needed so that I could speak when I had, had an audience to do that. Um, I didn't know, you know, I had friends and stuff who were entrepreneurs, but I, I wasn't really paying attention to what that took, right? Um, until I decided to do it, do it myself. And then it was like, wait a minute, this is more than a notion. Like this is, you know, from, from getting your LLC legit 
um, you know, from the paperwork to paying the fees to doing all of the behind the scenes stuff, the logo creation, just the business plan idea. Um, get you, getting you, for me, it meant getting myself a coach, being able to talk out ideas out loud with someone who understood because they understood the space that I was working in. So this is, um, and, and I'm still, I'm still continuing to learn and grow. I, I just, it, it's one of those things where it's the best thing I could have done for myself, even though it is the hardest thing that I've done is to branch off and become an engine, uh, uh, an entrepreneur in this space. Um, it's, it's incredible. <laughs> it is incredible. One thing I forgot to, to ask before, I mentioned in the intro that you were a dean at one point. How did that oh. come about? So, um, so this is, this is kind of a funny story. Um, I, when I was a teacher, so I taught high school uh, for a period of time and I was teaching math and physics and, um, and engineering courses. So it was during the summer. I was at home and I was the mother of two small kids. And I literally said, I cannot stay home with these kids because I need them to be alive. Right. Cause I was, like, they are driving me crazy. They're crazy. I'm like, I just, I can't do this. Right. So I went to the um, local community college uh, to apply for a job, apply for a summer job. I'm going to teach up here. I'm going to teach a couple classes thinking nothing like of it. And they did an interview on the spot. Like I turned, went in to turn in my resume and the application and the lady was like, hold on, hold on. I, I'll, I'll be right back. She brought the Dean at the time, Dean or the vice president at the time. She brought her, we sat down and had it. I'm literally in like a t-shirt and jeans. Like I was like, oh, okay. Well, I guess we're doing this, right? So had an interview, was hired on the spot. So I taught a couple of classes um, and I was doing that for maybe about three weeks when they um, came and asked me if I wanted a full-time position. Uh, okay. I, this wasn't again, not in my plans. And then, um, so I took it. Um, six years later, uh, I moved up the ranks to, I was a director. And then three years after that, I was, uh, I was promoted to dean. Uh, so it was just sort of like, okay, I see, I, I see the path that had, that God has me on. I'm, I'm hopefully learning all the lessons I need to learn. Don't, didn't know where it was going to take me and how I was going to use that, but that's how I ended up as a dean. Um, using all, I feel like I've used, I've used my engineering skills. I've used the skills I learned when I was going for my master's degree. I definitely learned um, all of the skills and had to, and all of the techniques that I that I learned when I was getting my doctorate in education, when I, in that dean's position. So I felt like nothing was wasted there. Um, it was it was it was the job of a lifetime. I I miss it sometimes. Oh wow! T-shirt and jeans to dean. I like it. <laughs> That's a great book name. <laughs> <laughs> I'll write the forward. It'll be good. <laughs> so, yeah for sure so you know i mentioned also that you have a podcast what was the motivation for the podcast and what do you hope people get out of it oh so i love my podcast i just 
So my podcast is called Stimming Stilettos. You can find it anywhere you're listening to podcasts or you can go to Buzzsprout and type in Stimming Stilettos. You can find it there. Um, it is about telling the stories and highlighting the stories of minority women in STEM, giving them a safe place to voice the, you know, their concerns, um, the things that have happened to them, how they solve those issues, and then giving them um, the opportunity to give advice to the generation coming up behind us so that they don't have to go through all of the stuff that we did. And so that's, that's what that podcast is about. And we are going strong. I'm always looking for guests, minority women who don't mind telling their story and have something that they want to tell. That is, that's all we do. <laughs> okay, that's pretty cool. But I'm sure there's some differences between what I went through and what you went through. I mean, there was never a chance, there was never a time where I had to be outside in, in 97 degree heat, pregnant, holding tools. So I, I can't really relate to that. <laughs> but I'm sure, you know, there's other women that I'm sure that, that listen to your podcast and, and, and certainly can. When it comes to public speaking, is that some, I know you'd mentioned that you were an introvert. And so I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that it was something that you had to improve at. And if so, what did you do to do so? That's a really good question. So um, I knew early on that public speaking was going to be a part of how I served. Because um, to me, I consider everything that I do a service. Um, so I don't do any of this for, for just me, right? So um, I tried to put myself in front of as many people and, as, and in many different platforms as I could to see if I was going to navigate that. So to how I, how I was going to navigate that and to work my way through that. Which, which ones were I, was I going to be the most comfortable in? Um, those kinds of things. So not only that, but I practice all the time. I practice all the time. And I don't mean it like, okay, you got to set aside 30 minutes every day to practice. I mean, I'm speaking out loud. I'm hearing how I sound, the words that I use and my voice inflection so that it's not, it's, you know, it's not monotone. Um, do I know how to tell a story? Do I know what my story is? Um, do, I, do I present it in a way that um, makes it memorable? And is it real and authentic? So that was the real thing. Cause you know, anyone can sort of stand up here with a sheet of paper and give a speech, but does it land? Um, and so you, you've probably been places where it's like, oh, that he, he, he or she had some great points, but I wish, you know, so there was that conversation when I feel like if you leave a conversation with me and you haven't laughed or you haven't nodded your head or you didn't walk away with some something, then I didn't do my job, which means that I didn't prepare well. So that's the way I look at it. And so I work at it every day. Yeah, you're, you're certainly right. There there have been times where I've been in, in listening to presentations and thought, you know, it, it's, 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 it, sure, it certainly could have been better. That, that's <laughs> it's like, I'm trying to stay awake here and this person is not doing a right. job of that. <laughs> right, and so I don't, and I always used to, I used to tell people, I used to, when I was a dean most, uh, most recently, I used to tell people, my job is to make sure that you don't quit me. And people would laugh. And I was like, no, that's the truth. It's like any boss um, who's worth their salt, 
they don't want their people to leave. There are their people, their people shouldn't want to leave because you've done all you can as a boss to make sure that these people are comfortable. They know their job. They know you support them. They know you're behind them. I look at this the same way. I don't want the audience to quit me before, you know, before I'm done at the very least. So I'm going to be as engaging as possible. I'm going to give you a message. Um, I'm going to tell a quirky story. I'm going to be my nerdy self. And, you know, you'll either like that or you won't. But that's, that's or at least at the very least, you'll be like, yeah, she, I wasn't feeling her at all. But you, at least you remembered me, right? So that's what I go for. Do you have a process for putting your presentations together? And if so, what is it? So I'm an outline girl. Outlines really work for me. So I know what it is. I usually start off with what's my main points? What are the, you know, two, three, five things that I really want a person to get out of what it is I'm talking about? And then I work my way backwards from there. So is there a story I want to tell? How do I want to start this? And, you know, and basically how do I want to make sure that these five points are driven home and then, then the wrap up? So usually I start with an, with an outline that looks sort of like it's very backwards. It's like the main points, stories, um, then, I, then it's like the conclusion. So it's, it's a weird setup, but it really works for me. All right. Do you ever get nervous before giving a presentation? And if so, how do you deal with your nerves? <laughs> All the time. Um, I, if I'm not nervous, I, then, I'm, then I'm like, no. Um, I'm nervous. And how do I deal with it? Um, I pray really quickly. Um, but then I just get really determined um, because I'm, I'm not a quitter. And I believe like if I'm at that place, if I'm getting ready to go on stage, whether that's virtual or um, face-to-face, then I'm supposed to be in that, that space. And that gives me a sense of peace. So then I can go and do what I'm supposed to do at that point. Yeah, it's, a, it's a, funny you mentioned virtual. I wasn't going to ask this question, but since you mentioned it, because we're in the this pandemic currently, a lot, at least a lot of people, their their lives have been affected. At least their their careers have been affected. Their their work life, at least, has been affected. Has yours been affected? And if so, how have you dealt with that? Well, wow. So, of course, it is. All of us have been affected, but. Um, in the speaker world, I mean, you know, nobody's really going anywhere these days to speak. Um, so a lot of our events are, are virtual. Um, and it, the, I feel like the space is even more crowded than it was before. Um, and I say that because, I, you know, there were some conferences that were going to happen that weren't able or just didn't make the switch to virtual. So now there's, it's like there's this funnel happening, but you still got all the people. So it's like, you know, if you are an up and coming speaker or you don't have a name, um, then there are less opportunities. And this is the world according to me. Um, there are less opportunities for you. Um, I think I'm in a, I'm in a niche market. Um, so there aren't a lot of people who are talking to minority women in STEM. Um, so it's been, it's been steady work, honestly. Um, but I can see it if I'm trying to branch out and talk to more women in general spaces that that market is really um, difficult, not to say that I'm not going to brave it, but I, I see like I can see. I can see how big that 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 playing field is with the number of people in it. Um, so, 
it's just a matter of where you've placed yourself and then how you how you determine to market yourself and to what audience you're going to play. And, and so it's about learning that stuff. And I can tell you that I've spent, I think I spent the, the, the first four, four to five months of this year really figuring that out. So it takes you some time. It's not like you're, unless you're lucky and some people are, you just want to roll up in here and say, I know what I want to do. I know who I want to talk to. And I have these contacts and I'm going to go and do that. I didn't. And so I had to develop them. I had to talk to, you know, strangers, people that I didn't know. I had to network, um, which is not something that I am fond of, <laughs> but I had to do it um, because this is what I want to do. And if you are determined to do it, then you got to, sometimes you, you do have to suck it up and do those things that you don't want to do, or you're, you feel like you're not good at do them anyway. Um, so I put myself in a position to where now people are, are instead of me asking them, they are asking me, which is the place you want to be in. Yeah, for sure. This has been really interesting learning about you and, and, and your careers thus, thus far, Dr. Anderson. Is there anything else that you'd like to add about things that you're working on? I have a couple. So um, today is Tuesday. So I have a new podcast episode out today. Um, check us out for sure. We're always, and again, we're always looking for guests. So if you are a minority woman in STEM and you don't mind telling your story, um, send me an email, hit me up on Instagram or Facebook or LinkedIn. Um, my LinkedIn profile or my, all of my social media profile, um, will you be able to post them? Of course. Okay. So, and then the next thing is, is that there's my book. So here's my next endeavor. Um, it's called ABC Engineering and it's, man, um, it's a new endeavor. I've never done anything like this before. Didn't know that I would be delving into um, the early childhood STEM space. Um, but I believe that, you know, when, when an opportunity knocks like this, um, and it felt right. I think it was a it was a God moment. So I went with it. Um, so now I have a book out that's for um, that's for little babies and preschoolers and pre-K uh, students. So if they're learning their their alphabet, this book is for them. It teaches them their ABCs using engineering terms. Um, and so it's out. You can pre-order it today on Amazon. You can look it up um, there. And I will actually give, uh, Neil, I'll give you the link to it so that they can just click the link and go to the pre-sale. The book goes on sale um, for purchase on November the 17th. Um, so if you want to wait till then, you're free, but you might, you might want to get in line because hopefully this will sell out. It's a great gift for the new baby in your life, uh, the new toddler uh, for Christmas. So that's, that is... That's what, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> Wonderful. And I know, I know you said you were going to provide the you know, links and, and ways for people to get in touch with you, but just perhaps verbally, how can people get in touch with you? Oh, okay. So on, uh, on Facebook, um, you can look, I have a page. It's called, it's Dr. Tasha, Dr. Tasha 11. Um, it's the same thing on Twitter. So you can look up Dr. Tasha 11. You can connect with me there on Instagram. And LinkedIn, it's just Dr. Tasha. Tasha is spelled 
T-O-S-H-I-A. Yes. So it's D-R-T-O-S-H-I-A. So if you just you go and you can find me, look me up, um, hit me up, let me know that you heard me here. Um, ask me for additional information. I got it for you. Wonderful. Well, everyone, that marks the end of another edition of Teach the Geek interviews. My name is Neil Thompson. I'm the founder of Teach the Geek. It's an online platform for science and engineering professionals. The first offering is Teach the Geek to Speak. It's a public speaking course. You can learn more about it at teachthegeek.com. Again, that's teachthegeek.com. Until next time, take care and stay safe. Thanks, Dr. Anderson. Yes, thank you. <laughs>